Hello, hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of An Evening with Nate. It has been an entire two weeks since the last episode had been released, and I apologize for the lateness. I apologize for the hiatus. It's been really, really busy. It's been really hectic. Um, I've been doing some stuff, um, you know... I was doing school work, um, university work. I now have an internship program that I have to do every day. Take the train at freaking, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning. Go home at 5.30 in the evening. Take the train home. Dealing with the mess. Dealing with... Uh, you know, a lot of people elbowing each other at the train. Trains filled to the brim. Uh, just the the tiredness of it all. And when weekend comes around, I'm just too tired, too overwhelmed. I don't have the time to um, sit down and, and try to plan the next podcast. I thought a lot of sleep would be the better alternative. So I spent a lot of time just sleeping you know, sitting around, listening to music, um, listening, listening to podcasts, um, as well, trying to learn a little bit here and there on what I can improve in my delivery and my way of expressing my opinions, a little bit of Joe Rogan here, a little bit of Bill Burr there, Peter Crouch, um, Joe DeRosa, just, just a lot of interesting people, um, and having said that, I pondered for a while. I considered changing and switching up the topic from our ongoing discussion on stories. I was really considering it because for a while there, I was bored. I was bored out of my mind. And it's fortunate that my supervisor at work, who's not very uh, far from me as far as age goes, uh, she's, a, she's a fan of movies. She has a friend who's also a fan of movies. And, uh, you know, a few of our conversations sort of sparked that love for stories back to me. And with all the news going on, the, the you know, Kobe being gone, um, I thought that there's still a lot that you can discuss about, about, about stuff, about stories be it fictional or non-fictional, even though probably in honor of um, in honor of the recent events, I won't do much about the news. I just uh, discuss more about the realm of, of fiction and make-believe movie cinema in particular. I don't think we're going to go too deep into the world of anime, the world of books, the world of music. Uh, I think I'm going to focus a lot on on fictional movies, um, cinema, um, instead of series, because I will have to admit, I am not an avid watcher of TV series, so I cannot provide a lot of insights on that department. And if you're a a long-time, um, a long-time listener of this podcast, you would be aware of that. Now, today's episode is titled Telling Your Story. And I am sure I've brushed upon this um, 
over and over again in a lot of the previous discussions, I'm aware of perhaps the slight redundancy in all this, but I I think it's an interesting part of storytelling to discuss because you can have the greatest story in the world, but if no one else can know about it, then it is an unwitnessed beauty that you have left for yourself, and that does not make for a pleasant experience at all. Stories, anecdotes, memories should be told, spread, um, given, gifted to others, and and, and thus other people can receive, can learn, can take, and keep it for themselves or carry this story with them and its own new meaning to themselves for them to, to digest, to, to take in as part of, part, of their, part of their life, part of their sort of new attitude towards something or someone. It can be a part of their personality. It can be just another arsenal, uh, just another another story for their arsenal of stories. Because everyone has stories they keep for the right events, for the right occasions, for the right amount of laughs, for the right amount of tears. Just stories they keep. And sometimes it's not their own. You know, you, you keep stories about your grandfather in his youth, stories that you could never have experienced, but you keep them because they have significance to you, they have meaning to you, and they perhaps have influenced you, either directly or indirectly. Now, as far as storytelling goes, and and, and how stories are translated into language, um, there is a format, a commonly used format, especially in fictional stories, and I'm sure you can Google that. I'm not going to list it down. You know the whole rising action, falling action, climax, resolution kind of stuff. You can definitely Google that. I'm sure we're all aware of it. And um, the um, even though films and books are still going by that format, we see a lot of. Um, we see a lot of creators trying to break that format, play a little bit with time here and there, play a little bit with uh, the audience's knowledge of this format, subvert expectations here and there and here and there. And that's great because um, that means that we haven't stopped creating despite the fact that most of the things that happen happen linearly within time. Uh, where we find we find ourselves not stuck to time when telling a story, we find our, ourselves not stuck to a singular concept of of how a story should be told and how a story should be perceived. And some great examples of that are the movies of um, Christopher Nolan. He always loves to play around with time. It's interesting, but it's not so overly pretentious that it feels like it's. It's looking down on the audience, or it's trying to elevate itself into this position of, you know, artsiness, if that's a word. The movies always felt like they were welcome for for everyone to watch, should they take the time and the energy to to watch and enjoy it. And uh, that's what I appreciate from him, really. 
Um, and a lot of movies have, have gone through the whole forward-backwards formula as far as time goes. Trying to go through uh, like the different moments in a character's journey. Putting the, the main like crisis or issue somewhere up front. Doing the whole flashback thing. It's, it's common in, in TV series, books... Um, cinema, movies, everything. Um, but that doesn't change the point that, for most of the part, we we still have the parts of the format in what you would call a story. You still had a climatic finish at some point. You still had a point in argument. There, there is something to fix. There's a problem. Yada, yada, yada. Things of that sort. So, so why, why do we tell stories? I think... We've discussed this through and through, but really, when someone tells a story, when when you are a storyteller, a craftsman of stories, what are you? What are you trying to induce to your audience? Like, what it is? What what is it? Do you expect from your audience? There can be a lot of answers to the question if you were to ask different content creators, directors, writers, authors, all of those things, there would be a varied amount, uh, there would be a varied sort of range of answers. But if you were to sort of take a median, a a middle ground, and and oversimplify things for a bit, oversimplify things, no research, no nothing, I hope you can find the same conclusion as I have, that a story is told, aside from the, from the pathological need to tell a story, that is, aside from the, the personal need to tell a story, telling a story means that the storyteller expects reaction, reaction from the audience. Good reactions are favored over bad reactions. Then again, it depends on how you define good or bad reactions. But mainly, reactions that are positive towards the content creator's work are a sign that the content creator has produced something of quality, or at the very least produced something agreeable, and a disapproval or a negative reaction would mean that the content creator had something to improve or he was um, catering to the wrong target audience that he was making the wrong type of stories that he wasn't too good with the details that he wasn't a polished or refined storyteller you could identify you could uh, interpret it however you'd like but generally there are expectations of reactions Whether they're positive or negative, what's for sure is that there is an expectation for reactions. I don't think that a a filmmaker or a storyteller would appreciate complete silence upon the release of their newest work. Not a chirp of criticism. But nothing good about it is being said either. Because then you don't know if people are watching. And even if they did, you don't know if they're paying attention. 
You don't know if your if your work has fulfilled its purpose. You don't know if the opinions or the examples or, or just anything you're including in that movie connects with people, resounds, resonates with people. You don't know anything. There's no feedback. There's no reaction. I'm sure filmmakers, uh, storytellers would prefer scathing um, criticism over dead silence. And really, that's what I think storytelling is all about. It's someone crafting a story and expecting a reaction from people. In general, you, 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 you hope that people enjoyed this story you've created. What, what does it mean to enjoy it? Well, it can mean that the people who are watching it resonate with the character. They sympathize with the character and the struggles that the character goes through. That they enjoy the technical aspects of your story. If it were a book, perhaps your word choice, the way you write your paragraphs. If it were a movie, perhaps the technique, the lighting, the cinematography. Um, things of that sort could, could, could invite positive reactions. If, if the message that you're trying to teach, if, if there is any, if there's a moral message, that it um, re- resonates with people's norms and values, then it would receive a positive reaction. Or, for example, if it were negative, it means that you know your work is technically flawed, its message is either unclear or bigoted or offensive, um, that you don't seem to put a lot of heart in what you do. And, you know, th- those are generally what you would say are positive and negative reactions. And both of those things are at the very least reactions. Thus creating a, creating a, a body of story means that you expect people to say something about it. To say something about your opinion. To say something about your story. Now, in general, how are stories really told? Well, you can tell your stories through the depiction of action. Or the sort of movement of the things within the plot. Whether they be living or non-living. Perhaps, um, I don't know. Maybe there will be an example later. The easiest example I could think of is probably just an all-out depiction of a battlefield, you know, opening scenes of Saving Private Ryan. Um, You can have, like, Star Wars starship scenes, I guess. Another way a story is told is through dialogue, just pure dialogue. Conversations, they tell you about what's happening in the story, you know, exposition, it, it, it's very common to happen in, in Marvel movies, just one guy being the exposition tool, explaining what the hell is happening, where they are, what's going on, what's the target, what's the history behind it, stuff like that. Or you could sort of tell the story through the characters. Just a good character study that sort of engulfs you inside a character's mind, you sort of get a picture on what the character likes, dislikes, appreciates, believes in. And it doesn't always have to be action, it doesn't always have to be dialogue, but the way the character does his things, the things that the character does, appreciates, the things that the character pursues, the events that happen 
um, because of the character and to the character, they all give you a picture and an ever-expanding picture of the story. And I'm sure there are many other ways the story can be told. I'm just scratching the surface here, but um, in light of recent movies, these are some of the more interesting things about character that I can say, things about action, things about dialogue, basically how stories are told and expressed to incite the said reaction. Now, a little bit of, about premise here, at the very least sort of the, the, the basic plot line of a story. The most interesting premise for a story does not guarantee the most interesting of stories. The, the easiest way to describe this would probably be that a good idea does not guarantee that the idea would be executed well. A, a good burst of creativity does not guarantee that you're, you know, what you're doing would be a, a game changer or, or stuff of the sort. And there are some very interesting um, story premises going around in Hollywood that I think are a shame um, that that they're not receiving the support that they should because um, many times the sort of execution leaves much to be desired, uh, turning these interesting premises into uninteresting stories. The the sequel for Pacific Rim, I think, uh, sucked, even though the first one had an interesting premise. It's nothing unique, it's nothing new, but it's a pretty interesting premise. And they went along and made an interesting movie out of it. Um, the Transformer movies, in my opinion, no matter how many times they remake it, had a very awesome uh, underlying premise. You know, aliens, space robots. It makes for a great possibility for great adventures. And um, safe to say they, they messed up in a lot of their recent ones, except Bumblebee. And if, if, if you haven't heard of this opinion before, I still think that the original Bay Trilogy is not only watchable, but to a degree enjoyable. I watched those movies as a child, and now being more able to critique and, and, and sort of take notice of the underlying flaws of the movie, I, I, I still don't care. I enjoy it thoroughly, and I would watch the original Michael Bay trilogy should I be given the opportunity. Especially the first two, because you had Megan Fox in there, which was a bonus. Um, and a very good bonus. Uh, disclaimer, I'm not objectifying um, Megan Fox. I just thought that she was very beautiful. And a great character. A great addition to, 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 uh, to a mediocre series. Um... Okay, we, we're, we're straying off topic here. Um, another interesting... Another interesting premise to me would be... Oh, The Quiet Place. A Quiet Place by John Krasinski. Now, that's one of the more interesting examples because it had an interesting premise and it had a beautiful, a well-made execution, which is why they're making a sequel out of it. You know, I'm, I'm not even surprised at this point considering how Hollywood is and all that. But I don't want to criticize too harshly, you know. Uh, John Krasinski is a great guy, you know, and it's admirable the work he does. Plus, 
it's, it's great to see that he's working together with his wife on this sort of couple's passion project. It's just wholesome to see, and I, and I wish him the best, and I definitely would be watching A Quiet Place too. Now, another interesting thing is the most interesting um, display of storytelling doesn't mean that it would be interesting to the audience. Just flashes of CG does not guarantee that the audience would be wowed, that the audience would enjoy it. I have to go back to the to the Mark Wahlberg Transformers uh, sequels for this because you cannot deny that they were visually stunning at times. The visual effects for the Transformer robots were great and even arguably better than the original trilogy, which despite its low ratings and sort of criticism for the Michael Bay explosions actually were nominated for a, for a, for a, for an Oscar but I'm mistaken um, for visual effects again correct me if I'm wrong so interesting retelling of stories you know I'm talking about the, the crazy Marvel sky beams and no hate to Marvel it's, I, I love most if not all of Marvel movies uh, interesting retelling of stories. I'm talking about the constant subversion of expectations in The Last Jedi, the great visuals in The Last Jedi. It doesn't mean that it's an interesting story for the audience. It sucks. Okay? I'm gonna say it right here and right now. I have a deeply rooted hatred for The Last Jedi. And I don't even hate, like, all of it. There are points within them that I do appreciate, but Ryan Johnson, my goodness, the way he responds, it's, it's, you know, calling the fans man babies, the way he sort of presents himself, the way he says that well, The Empire Strikes Back was also originally poorly received, blah, 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 blah. I just can't stand the guy. Just, just completely annoying. Um... It shows that if you had interesting storytelling elements, it doesn't always mean that people would appreciate it. You just had to. You just had to put a, a little bit of a plot twist here, a little bit of a plot twist there, uh, a nice little visual here. There. It doesn't change the fact that you butchered a franchise. You butchered uh, a, a beloved franchise with, with a lot of meaning, maybe even personal meaning to people, and, and, and ruined it. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm not saying he did a completely bad job and made an unwatchable movie. But sometimes it doesn't take that to ruin something. Like if a fly landed on a, on a, on a glass of water, would you drink from that glass of water? No. And the facts are, the, the, the fly didn't, you know, like swim around and, 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 and dip its toes in every... Um, milliliter in, in, in like every single part of the fluid but that imperfection there makes it undrinkable it, it, it doesn't mean that you know I have to like spit uh, all over your your food to make it un- inedible I just need to, to put my unwashed hands there I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't want to eat your meal and then that's how it is with with, with the the Ah, the Last Jedi. Um, I veered off topic again. 
perhaps even stuttered in some cases. I am very much sorry. Mm. All right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about how stories are told through dialogue, and I'm gonna pick one of my favorite movies of all time, and that is Before Sunrise. If you haven't seen it, please do. Please, 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 please watch Before Sunrise. My goodness, what a movie! Props to Richard Linklater. It is such a movie. It's such a great movie with so little going on. The movie basically, um, spoiler alert, the movie basically depicts uh, sort of two like-minded strangers meeting each other, spending the night, spending the day in, in, in Vienna. And the entire movie is basically just long shots of conversations. But it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen, ever I left. I am left, you know, with 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 almost tears in my eyes. Certain scenes, I grinned from ear to ear at one scene to the other. I smiled. I sympathized. I felt. I ached at some scenes, at some words, at some conversations. It was such an experience, and most of it is told through dialogue. Now we can have a polar office. Um, before I move on, there are other examples of this. You are free to look it up movies that are based on dialogue. I'm sorry if I couldn't give a more comprehensive uh, recommendations list. You can finish the whole Before trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before um, Sunset, Before Midnight, all by Richard Linklater. Another interesting Linklater film, um, Boyhood. Some of the Wes Anderson movies are very visually stunning but the dialogue is an underrated aspect go check them out okay next action the movies that are heavily um reliant on action or basically things that happen to show the the story are not always um are not always action movies you can you can do this best for thriller movies the lack of the lack of speech just building up all that tension and I'm going to have to bring up A Quiet Place again because the movie had very little dialogue okay even if you would consider it dialogue because sometimes they just make hand signs and subtitles would pop up just to show what they were communicating about but for most of the movie they don't make a sound they just stayed quiet and the, the, the action brings the story forward sort of tells you, sort of gets you up to speed with what's happening. The newspaper clippings on the wall give you the opportunity to sort of read and and have yourself this low-key, inexplicit, um, inexplicit exposition of this story. It's, it's a very interesting journey. The Revenant, I think, by Leonardo DiCaprio, he won his his Oscar there. He, there were a lot of dialogues there, but not so much, you know, not like the average movie. Um, a lot of moments of him and the earth. And it felt like the action was bringing the story forward, how he went from one point to the other. Also that James Franco movie with him on the cliff, that's that's, that's amazing. How, how you can keep a movie going uh, the way it did, it's, it's amazing. So, again, 
um, dialogue and action are very interesting things. But how about character? How are stories told through character? At the very least, how can a character bring a story forward? Or in other words, again, how do you expect characters to pack that punch and bring that deeply rooted reaction within the audience it can be love it can be hate it can be admiration it can be fear it can be trauma it can be disdain it could be just all out disgust but you have to bring about a reaction through your characters now i'm gonna bring out just an almost not almost a universally hated character some universally hated characters that could bring out feelings of hate within you so hard even though you know a they are fictional characters b the version of their characters you are seeing are portrayed by actors or actresses who are probably sweethearts in real life and you have this burning boiling rage within you for some reason i'm talking of course about king joffrey yes from game of thrones Everyone hated him. Everyone was glad when he died, choking on that stuff. I don't even watch Game of Thrones, okay? But I, I, I heard about what he did. I watched the clips. I thought he was a little prick. I thought he was, a, I thought, I thought he was an, an asshole. And, and so, you know, I looked up his death video and I enjoyed it. It was, it was satisfying because I, I saw all the messed up stuff he was doing and I thought he had it coming. It was about time he died. So I enjoyed that. Um, another annoying character, someone with someone you hated, would probably Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series. Um, it was a series I enjoyed, perhaps at a younger age, but I wouldn't say anything to take away its magic. It's still a solid book series, that's why it sold so well. I just wish J.K. Rowling could just, you know, shut up a little bit without making those retcons about the characters uh, sexuality I think it's I'm, I'm not being a like an anti progressive here I just I just thought it was lazy of her to, to, to do that like she couldn't write some stuff and then include that inside no she had to change it up in the middle of the way years after the the books have been finished and many, many, many years after the the year that the stories take place in. Because, if I'm mistaken, it was supposed to take place in the 90s. I don't know. So, Dolores Umbridge, yeah, she was, she was... She made your blood boil. You could be at whatever age. You could be a child. You could be a teenager. You could be an adult either watching the movie out of your own... As an, out of your own interest or you could be an adult just accompanying your child making sure the movie is like all safe and stuff and you'd, you'd still be very much upset at how her character did things it's just the charm of it and you know kudos to the actress because she portrayed uh, an annoying character remarkably well inciting this rage within a lot of us now, it doesn't always have to be rage. The characters don't always have to be um, annoying people. Sometimes they can be frightening, charismatic, unsettling. 
and who else but Sir Anthony Hopkins in his role as Hannibal Lecter. What a masterclass in acting. What a performance. What an amazing feat considering just the amount of, of lines he said, the amount of screen time he had. On other movies, if you were to look at the numbers purely, the minutes and the amount of words said, it's a, it's a negligible amount. It, it barely passes as a supporting actor role. And yet he won. He won the Oscar, and it's a well-deserved win. Because he had it in him. Sir Anthony Hopkins is probably one of the nicest, like, sweet old dudes there are. But through his acting, through his cold, cold acting, he could have us believe, believe that he is a stone-cold man-eating killing machine just the way he stood, the way he sort of contradicts himself by being this killing character and speaking completely calm and collectedly with this gentleman tone, the the cold, never-ending eye contact, the way his posture was unnaturally perfect. Props to the script writers as well for giving the right lines, but the facial expressions, the way the lines are delivered, the ad-libs, the improvised hissing sounds, all that is thanks to Sir Anthony Hopkins, and through this one iconic, prolific character, and also a well-acted um, character as, as, as the main character, you are sort of brought into this story in a different way. And it's so amazing. I guess the in another example, I will have to bring up another psycho. It's it's uh, Javier Bardem's portrayal of Anton Schiller in, in, in No Country for Old Men. Another great character study. It's another one of those movies with, um, with a little bit of dialogue. When there are dialogue, it's, it's crazy, it's cool, it's gut-wrenching, it's heart-pumping at times. But a lot of the times, it's either the characters, uh, Josh Bolland's character and Javier Bardem's character, that bring the story forward, or it's the action, the things that happen. But most of the time, I, I like to mention that movie just because of the, the way Javier Bardem played his character. He is this... Well, he is a very charismatic man, yes, but he's this warm, um, nice, friendly, sort of dad, sort of like Pops-style dude, if you were to look at his interviews. A bit bit awkward, a bit bit awkward at times, but also pretty charismatic, pretty well-mannered, pretty well-spoken. And then out comes this this psycho in a bowl cut and in a weird speech pattern he carries like a tube of gas like oxygen gas with him everywhere makes holes in people's heads it's just crazy and that's why it works because it defies your expectations even when you've already set them 
at a certain level, it just goes beyond. It's crazy. So what really is the point of today, aside from me uh, telling you about some of the great movies that I know and I appreciate, uh, is that we're, we're still going by the point of stories, and we're learning about how stories are supposed to incite reaction in people and how you can go about it. You can go about it through your dialogues, you can go about it through your action, or you can go about it through the way your characters move. Now, these things are not exclusive to the other. All movies, even the bad ones, have to have a combination of the three. It's almost impossible for you, no matter how ambitious you are, to have a story that possesses all three of the elements but only brings the story forward through one. All the stories will have these elements crossing, clashing into each other simultaneously, or not, you know, just side by side, but they will always have that. It's just a choice of through which medium you would like to push your story through more, through which medium would you like to shine it more, where do you want to sort of show off the uniqueness of your premise, where do you want to introduce the twists, where do you want to bring in the beauty? Are you, are you going to bring in the beauty through the words being said, through the cinematography, through the shots, through the plot twists? There's a lot that you can do, and there's always a lot that you can think of. If you're, a, if you're an aspiring writer, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, you know, you go do that. If you're just a person like me who enjoys all these things, try and you know, pay better attention next time. Appreciate little things in movies, but also appreciate the big things being done. Know that none of them are as easy as they sound, as they seem. Um, the movie making business is, is getting more and more crazy. Um, a lot of great innovations are being made. Don't forget a lot of other mediums and stories, you know, plays, books. Online funny content uh, sketches, things of the sort. There's a lot that you can enjoy. There's a lot that you can consume. Um, there's there's a lot that you can reach. Time is limited, but the content is not. That is why I appreciate you for tuning into this podcast. And I do hope that we could have uh, a blast. I hope I can produce content consistently this week. And this has been another episode of An Evening with Nate. I'm telling you about telling your story. And I'm signing out. Bye-bye.